The following audio is from Fellowship Baptist Church in Nederland, Texas. Our mission, to make and mature disciples through the gospel of Jesus Christ. For more information about Fellowship, visit fellowshiptx.org. All right, guys, uh, good afternoon. It's uh, Monday, about 2 o'clock here at the church, and uh, we are um, coming off a great day, a great another great day outside with Drive-In Church, and uh, another great day of weather, man. How about that? Yeah, who'd have thought? Southeast Texas, <laughs> two Sundays in a row with no rain in yeah. April. Uh, so that's, that's pretty exciting. We're hoping that uh, this Sunday for Easter we'll be able to do Drive-In Church again, Praying that, that God will give us another beautiful day yep. uh, to be able to meet outside and, and worship Him, and so uh, we're excited for that. Hoping that you'll be able to come, and that uh, we're we're planning for a pretty big day. Oh yeah, yeah. and the night of worship as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Friday's the night of worship. We're excited about that as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, again, like normal, we like to gather together uh, and then kind of discuss the sermon. And so uh, we're here to discuss uh, the sermon that Julian delivered yesterday, and uh, great sermon on the fact that. Jesus came to be the king of our hearts. Yeah. Yeah. So um, right off the bat, just jump jump on into these questions. The first question I had, uh, in summary, you, you basically talked about the fact that Jesus came to be the king of our hearts, not the fulfillment of our own desires. He didn't come to, to help us build our kingdom. He came to build his kingdom and, and under his terms. It was all, it's all about him and his glory. And so uh, when you were talking about that, a statement came to my mind, and the statement is this, that lordship is the product of faith. Mm-hmm. And so can you speak to the correlation of faith and lordship? Yeah, so basically uh, you can't have one without the other, right? Because if, if Jesus is Lord, then uh, then that's what we're putting our faith and our trust in, okay? Mm-hmm. I looked up the definition of lordship, and it just basically means supreme power or rule, meaning Jesus is at the highest power. He's He is ruler. And if we are to place our faith and our trust in something, it would have to be in what is the most uh, powerful thing on earth, right? Like God created the whole earth. God, uh, he's in charge of everything. He's in control. And so that's what we place our faith and trust in because he's Lord. But not only that, uh, we can't have faith and trust unless we allow him to be in control, right? right? We have to let ourselves go uh, and allow him to to be the one to be in control. Just like we kind of talked about in the sermon, if I get to dictate everything God is going to do for me, then I'm Lord, right? Then I'm the one who's calling the shots and not God. And so for, for it to be able to work, for it to be able to mesh together, uh, my faith in Jesus is that he is Lord, okay? When, when we say we put our faith and trust in Jesus— that means that we're putting our faith and trust that he knows everything and he's in control and I no longer have to worry about being in control. That doesn't mean I don't try to be in control sometimes, right. but that means that I now trust in him to do it and I, I make him the shot caller. Right. Okay, It's just like having a king back in the old days. right? Uh, the king would make all the decisions. And uh, and then you you pretty much just had to deal with them. Right. If you were a citizen or a peasant or whatever, I mean, that was all there was to it. And if you wanted to live within the kingdom of where the king reigned, then you had to pay homage to him as being the ruler 
the supreme of all. And mm-hmm. you also had to trust that you living within this kingdom, he had it all under control and had it all handled. Whether that meant security, whether that meant, you know, your uh, your status as far as being able to to eat or to take care of you. And so when we think about Jesus being Lord of our lives, it goes so much further than it just saying, oh, Jesus says do this, so I have to do it. Or Jesus says jump, and then I say how high. That's not the way it works. He, we trust in him for our security, not only for our security and our salvation, but our security for our survival, our security for our families and for how we have to live our lives. So faith and lordship go hand in hand. And I would also say, like, you can't have one without the other. Right. You, you, you can't, like we said Sunday, you can't expect the benefits that come with salvation and then for them to come on your terms, meaning yeah, sure, I'm going to take care of this salvation thing, but then I, I only want these certain benefits. Jesus being Lord is you placing your faith that he is going to be able to get it done for you and that you don't have to get it done for yourself. Right. Do you think that there's a... Uh, do you think that part of the problem is that people have a wrong belief about or a wrong perception of what the definition of belief versus faith is that some people belief is simply this head knowledge that they acknowledge that God is the one who created the universe and they're willing to, um, you know, give at least acknowledge his existence and maybe even pray to him some and come to church rather than the reality that genuine belief produces action, right? If the building caught on fire and I really believe the building was on Mm -hmm. fire, I'm going to, that's going to lead me to action, right? I'm going to get out of here. Genuine belief leads to action, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so faith and belief are two totally different things, right? Uh, Yes. We believe in Lord. Uh, we believe in Jesus, but what do we believe in? We believe him to be Lord of our lives, right? Right. What, What did, uh, Paul say in Romans that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, what? And you believe in your heart. Well, what are you believing in? You're believing that he's Lord. Right. And if he's Lord, that's placing him supreme over all. That means you're no longer in control. And then that leads you to the action of, I will do whatever Jesus wants me to do. That's the belief. Right. It's not the belief that he existed. It's not the belief that you actually believe he was the son of God. Although all those things are important, right? We have mm-hmm. to believe that if we're going to believe in him. Right. But believing in Jesus versus believing of, of Jesus are two totally different things. My belief in Jesus is that he's going to be Lord. And those two have to work that way. Some people have separated that, right? Some people have separated that, that you don't necessarily have to, you know, just because he's not Lord of your life right now, but you believe in him, that can come later. You know, no doubt it might, but that that's not a conversion. Right. That's not even salvation. Not salvation yeah. That's not the way it works. You right. know, God, God has clearly put what salvation is, is mm-hmm. that it's a let go of ourselves. That's the only way he can add to us the righteousness of Jesus Christ, because we, we can't earn it. We right. can't. So, so I, I totally agree with you. There's this misconception of what it is and people get lost in that and, and, and you know, the, the, then the, then the, then they they feel like, well, if I believe in him or I believe about him, that should be enough, and it's not. It's, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah, and I think too, it's when when you really have faith in that, that Jesus is who he said he is, and you and you you, know, you put your faith in him, 
as Lord, then it's not a like I, I have to surrender to him. It's that I believe that his way is the best and that I believe that he's in control. And so it's like I get to surrender my life to Jesus and let him be in control of my life because you understand that he should be in that place because of who he is. Right. It's not I have to make him Lord. It's like I get to let him control my life because that's where that's the only person who's qualified to be in that position. Yeah. He he knows better than yeah. I do. Yeah. And and that's I think that should be our motto always. Yeah. God knows better. And, yeah. and so if if I feel like he wants me to do this and then I well, I don't know, God knows better, you know. Yeah. But by me taking the alternative route, that means I know better. And right. That that's not the case. So you you kind of talked Sunday uh, about the crowds of people who at one point are laying down these palm leaves and celebrating the fact that Jesus is king. Mm -hmm. And then just a few days later, they're screaming, crucify him. Mm -hmm. And and when I hear stories like that, I think, how how does someone get to that point? Like, even when I look at the, you know, the Old Testament and see Israel and how they keep, you know, just backsliding and walking away Mm -hmm. from God and, and they lose their faith. And I think how how is how does someone do that when they get to see the things that those people saw? Yeah. But then every time I think that God slaps me in the face and says, "You're just as stupid as they are, right?" <laughs> yeah, you're like, them. Yeah, you're them. You're them in the story. You're not some high elite person. You're that person yeah. in the story. Yeah. And so uh, you know, you kind of talked about that, and it made me think that you know, like you said, a lot of people would think, you know, I would never deny Jesus, or of course Jesus is Lord of my life. You know, we're real quick to excuse that away. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet sometimes there's a lack of fruit to reflect that, right? If mm-hmm. we're honest in some of our lives. There's a there's a lack of fruit to reflect that. So my question to you would be, what does it look like practically in 2020 for Jesus to be King of our hearts? How do we gauge that? If like you know, if I'm giving myself to a test to to make sure that I'm being honest with myself that Jesus is King of my life, what what does that look like? What does that fruit look like? Yeah, I would say, are we doing what God has expected us to do? Okay. And uh, there's a few ways to uh, check yourself on that, meaning. Obviously, we have the Word of God, right? And if we're living our life, uh, if we read the Word of God and we're living our life uh, as as well as we can to what the Word of God expects of us, then that's the first indicator. The second would be, am I trusting Jesus in everyday life? Meaning, uh, am I trusting Jesus in my finances? Am I trusting Jesus in my marital relationship, right? Am I, tr- am I trusting Jesus... Uh, in his direction for my life, you know, I might have this grand master plan that, you know, um, you know, you know, you like to plan a lot. You, you, you're a planner, right? (laughs) And, uh, and I am to a certain extent, but not as much as you are. And so you just need to know, right? If, if we're going here, 2021, I've got to have it all mapped out. So when we get there, we're there. Right. And, and sometimes we, we, we stand at a fork in the road, and then we say, okay, I'm going to take this direction. And halfway down that direction, we say, God, bless this direction, which that's not the way it should work. The way it should work is at the fork, we pray, God, which direction would you have me go? And this plays into it a lot because I think sometimes we can say, oh, yeah, Jesus is king of my heart, and he rules over my life supreme but I'm going to make all these decisions over here and never console Jesus whatsoever about these. Uh, I'm never going to seek his counsel on any of this. Sometimes we do that because we purposely know that it wouldn't be honoring and justifying 
uh, I'm sorry, honoring and glorifying Jesus in our lives, right? Uh, there's people who have, you know, extramarital relationships and they're, you know, they're, they've felt, they've fallen in love with this other person and, and, and they're Christians, let's say. And then they seek a divorce and everything just because they want to be happy and they're never asking God, hey, uh, should I be doing this, right? Why not? Because they know they shouldn't have been doing that. And so, in essence, that's that's us saying, "Oh yeah, I want to love Jesus. I want to have that feel goods about Jesus." Mm-hmm. But then I don't want Him to rule over my life in these areas. Right. I want to have control over that. And then that's you pulling away and doing the crucify Him. Right. Mm-hmm. That's that's you pulling away and instead of yelling Hosanna, Savior, Lord, you're saying, oh, "I I got this," and you don't understand my life or whatever. That just a quick story. Um, of our personal journey in 2014 uh, in 2014 we moved from San Angelo to Lynchburg and a lot of people know this story uh, some don't but it was like a faith move like we had no jobs we had no relatives over there you know I felt like God was calling me to go to this school at Liberty University and uh, and it was it was a faith thing that we literally saw God move mountains and it all worked out, and it was all a God thing. And uh, and then when when kind of we were, in hindsight, looking back on it, I remembered always being that person to judge the Israelites, you know? Like, whenever mm-hmm. you read in Exodus, and Moses, through God, parts the Red Sea, and then they get away from the Egyptians, and all the other Egyptians drown. And then... You know, not months later, they're complaining about God feeding them manna. And they said, it'd be better if we were just in Egypt. It'd be better if we we're just back. In-. And I'm thinking like, you dummies, you know, you just saw God perform all these miracles. He's like throwing bread down from heaven for you to eat because you're starving and you don't see it in front of you. And and to tell you the truth, like if God were to ask me right now, like, hey, go do this thing like you did in 2014, I would question it, you know, I would question it because, you know, even though I've seen him part the Red Sea, it doesn't mean that I want to go through it again. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And even though I knew everything in the and the outcome was going to be OK, I didn't want to go through it again. And so we can get like that in our lives is that we can have this highest of highs and fully be trusting in, G- in Jesus and who he is as Lord of our lives. But then we can come down and have these lows to where we're just like those other people who are insecure in how they think about Jesus. Look at Peter, right? When after the crucifixion and uh, Peter's by this bonfire and this girl is like, hey, I know you, you're you're with that guy that, that he's going to be crucified tomorrow. And Peter's like, no, nah, that's not me. That's not me, dog, you know? Yeah. And then, uh, and it leads to him like cursing at her and saying, you know, leave me alone. That's not me. Like three times, like Jesus said. And, chapters before you read Jesus say whoever denies me I will deny him to my father well, I mean look at who Peter is and who Peter became and yet he had those moments as well and so I I not to excuse it that we are human but I think we're going to have those moments mm-hmm. but I also think it's going to be how we come back from those moments that determine or define who Christ is in our lives yeah right if you have those low moments and then you never come back from them. 
well then obviously Jesus wasn't Lord of your life. Right. The Holy Spirit isn't in you convicting you of that. No. Drawing you back. Absolutely. The Holy Spirit will draw you back. Absolutely. Every yeah. time. Yeah. And so uh, it's it's evident throughout the whole Bible that there is this Holy Spirit that lives inside of you and that you can't, even if you wanted to, suppress who he is. And so uh, and so that, that would be the thing. You know, in 2020, how does that look? Well, that looks like you doing what the Bible says and fully placing your trust in Jesus and allowing him to make those decisions for you or to guide you in making those decisions because we do it all the time on a daily basis. Yeah. We make our own judgment calls and then we suffer for it later when if we would have gone biblically and seen what God wanted us to do, it might have gone better. So let me ask you this. Do you think that people do you think people excuse their lack of surrender to Jesus as Lord with with cultural, I guess, like in their mind, necessities, like, like culture demands that I, you know, my, my kid to go to college is going to have to get a scholarship. And so mm. I need to put them in these sports and that's going to mm. be our focus in life. Or, uh, you know, culture demands that I make a certain amount of money and have a certain house and drive a certain kind of car. And, and so we, that becomes our focus, like cultural and our, again, in our mind necessities, Right. Those become our focus, and that's what we're living our life for, rather than living our life for who should be king. We've, we've, in essence, put culture as king of our life rather right. than ourselves. Yeah, and you know, if you want me to be honest, completely honest, we can blame it on culture all we want, but it's us. Yeah, it's our hearts. It's yeah, our hearts. Obviously, it's yeah. where our hearts are of keeping up with the Joneses. You know, mm-hmm. that's the old saying where the Joneses across the street have this, this, and that, and you are trying to keep up with them. That's covetousness, mm-hmm. and that's a Ten Commandment. You know, like yeah. you, we're not supposed to have that, and so uh, it, and and we all struggle with that. Mm-hmm. And I think the you're right. Culture in the United States of America makes it a lot easier to struggle with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like because of you know the technology age, it's a hundred times easier to struggle with pornography or whatever mm-hmm. than it was when I was a kid, and there was nothing to watch. Right, and so. Um, and so I think we can blame that on culture, but it's it's a heart issue. You know, when, when, when the people in the Gospels came to Jesus and said, I want to follow you, I want to follow you, and Jesus said, you know, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head, right? right. And he's, he's helping them to understand the expectation of you're not getting in on this for these reasons. And sometimes I think because of cultural Christianity in the United States of America, we have this feeling like, because we serve Jesus, we can have all these things. Mm-hmm. And then those things start to take priority. Mm-hmm. And it's not us serving Jesus anymore. No. It's us serving ourselves. Right. It's us saying, well, I got to put my boy in select baseball you know, throughout the year and I can't make it to church. It's us saying, I really got to focus on my career because once I can get to making X amount of money, then I can have the time to come to church. Yeah. Then I can have the time to give. Then I can have, you know, all this other stuff that where all my worries are wiped away because of what the almighty dollar can make it happen. Uh, when actually the almighty Jesus should make it happen in your life and all that other stuff should just fall into place. Right. Okay. So that kind of a little bit leads us into this last question. Um, if someone's listening and they're realizing that they don't have that fruit that you talked about, you know, there's, there's not evidence in their life that, that Jesus is Lord, maybe at this moment or ever, Mm. what would you say to them? I would say that that's probably one of the most common things we as pastors have to deal with in 2020. Mm -hmm. There was this product of evangelizing people and saying 
say this prayer, come down the aisle, make make this commitment, and everything will be okay. And people did it in droves. And then you've heard like now everybody's all about authenticity, right? Uh, everybody wants everything to be authentic. Uh, we're hearing even that like millennials and uh, whatever the new age bracket is, they're they're uh, they they want authenticity. They could care less about the lights and the show and the big church and everything. They want people to be real and authentic, and that has led to a lot of hey, yeah, you say this is Christianity, but it doesn't look like what I read in the Bible. And so uh, I think there's lots of people out there who grew up in church, who uh, grew up religious, and then were maybe talked into, hey, this is just what you do. You make this decision, and you get baptized, and then you're good. And they were enticed with the benefit of heaven and not going to hell. And so what that led to was this commitment to a uh, to to a benefit that Jesus was going to give you, mm-hmm. not to a commitment to allow Jesus to be Lord of your life and rule over you forever. Right. It was a benefits based because of what you can do for me, I will return the favor and do this in return. Right. And so uh, I've I've dealt with that a lot in ministry. One time we were having this Bible study several years ago. It was way back when uh, in San Angelo. And this guy, we were talking, and, and I started saying that uh, that faith without fruit is not faith at all, right? Mm-hmm. That you can't be saved and not have any fruit. Right. And the guy, he stopped me, and he questioned me, and he said, wait. He said, I don't agree with that. I said, okay. I said, well, let's discuss it. You know, here's we're here to discuss. And he said, well, when I first got saved, he said, nothing changed. He said, I was the same person. You know, I didn't, nothing changed with the exception of I came down the aisle and made a thing until I got married and everything. Then I realized, you know, later that I needed to commit. And I said, well, did you ever consider that you weren't saved then? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Until and, the moment of surrender. And it's like this light bulb went over in his head like, oh, wow, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. And so uh, it's dangerous, I think. Mm-hmm. It's a dangerous, dangerous thing to say to people, yeah, 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 all you need to do is, you know, accept, quote, unquote, Jesus or quote unquote, ask Jesus to come into your heart. But if you don't make him Lord of your life and your life doesn't specifically change to be a hundred percent for Jesus and what he wants, then that's not salvation. Mm-hmm. That That's a fad. It's yeah. a, you know, we've, you know, we've been doing student ministry for 15 years. And so it seems like constantly we're having students realize that mm-hmm. they didn't, understand what salvation really was when they were four or five yeah so yeah. you know even even like seven or eight you know they they lordship is is a complicated thing to really understand right yeah and, and there are some kids who are seven and eight or younger that understand them i mean like carter made a profession of faith when he was seven and i really genuinely believe that he gets it like he, sure we have conversations and he seems to really understand what lordship is um, but i've dealt with a lot of kids over the years who they get to a point when they're like, you know, 14, 15, 16, where they realize mm-hmm. this isn't what I signed up for when I was a little kid. Like, mm-hmm. I just thought that this was a, like, I don't want to go to hell. So I asked Jesus in my heart kind of thing. And they didn't understand that salvation 
comes by faith, which produces works and lordship, like James would have said. And so, uh, you know, so there's two responses to that that I see. One is where the student realizes that they didn't do that and they're ready to make that profession mm. in that moment. And then two is where they realize, I didn't sign up for this. This isn't what I want. Yeah. I, w- I want to be Lord of my life. Right. I want to control this. And so uh, you always hope for the former yeah. and, and are really sad when you see the latter. But um, everyone has to come to that realization at some point that, that salvation isn't just simple head knowledge. Like Jesus mm-hmm. said, even the demons believe and they shudder. Right. right. And so it's, it's necessary for you to come to that point where you realize uh, you had to have a moment of surrender. Like we talked about before, it is a constant battle in the Christian life where we kind of ebb and flow. Oh yeah, sure. And, uh, but like I said too, that the Holy Spirit will always draw us back. And Mm -hmm. so if there's, if you don't have that Holy Spirit leading in you, then that's definitely something that you should pray about and evaluate in your heart and and maybe come to the conclusion. Maybe you, like you said, you never did surrender and maybe today, maybe now's the time when the Holy Spirit's speaking to you and, and leading you to surrender. Yeah, I remember some, I remember who he was, a pastor guy I know, we were talking one time and he said, well, you got to be careful. You know, you don't want people to question, you know, whether they're saved or not. And I said, yeah, yeah you do. Yeah, Paul says that, right? <laughs> yeah. Philippians. Work out your own yeah, salvation with fear own... and trembling. Yeah. Why is he telling them that? Yeah, you know, because it's important. Absolutely, because he's saying, "Hey, if you signed up for this, understand with fear and trembling what you're what you're signing up for. Yeah. So work that out on your own. Understand that you know, yes, it's free. Yes, it's eternal. Yes, you you are saved and and secure in Christ if you actually surrendered your life to Jesus. Right. It's the parable of the sower. You know, when you read the parable of the sower in the book of Luke, he is he is showing you. Jesus is showing you that there's going to be some who come. And they're even going to look like they got saved. Mm-hmm. And they're even going to rejoice for a little while. Mm-hmm. But when the problems of life arise, then it's going to choke them out. And Satan's going to come and take that away from them, it says. And they're never going to come back. Mm-hmm. Well, that person can't be saved because Jesus said, whom my father has given me, no one can pluck them out of my hands. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's not till the last guy where he says he received it in his heart and it produced fruit. But then he gives us the key. Some are going to produce 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be some 30 percenters out there who ought to, absolutely are Christians and they're, and, they're, and they're doing the work of God. And it's going to be a struggle for them sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's only going to be 30%. And some people it's going to be 60%. And some people it's going to be 100%, whoever that is. You know, when we look at like the Billy Grahams of the world or whoever we look up to and we think, man, how, how can I ever be like that? Well, maybe I'm a 40 percenter, you know, but that means I'm producing fruit. I'm just not producing as much fruit. Right. And so I think it's dangerous too that we, we help our internal church people to understand that uh, we're not looking for decisions so much to make us feel good. Right. We're looking for surrenders right. for people who are willing and ready to surrender their life to Jesus Christ. And the danger can come that once you get into all these services and they feel good and people are coming, then you, you don't want to challenge them too much, but that's not the case. You yeah. always want to challenge people. You always want to challenge people to do the right thing because what good is it if we're going to fill our church up with a thousand right. people who are wishy-washy and not real believers then there's not going to be any work done for the kingdom. I'd rather have 200 actual genuine believers who are going to be doing work for the kingdom. Right. It's like our, our mission statement is making maturing disciples. It's not making maturing 
statistics. Members, I guess. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're not we're not trying to say, man, we had forty salvations this year. We're trying to we're trying to like have people really changed by the gospel. Yeah, and and have real conversions. Yeah, and you know, just to kind of speak of that in relevance to who we are as fellowship. You know, before this whole pandemic and outbreak, whatever kicked off, you know, there was we were on fire, I felt like like there was just people who were getting saved and you could see the fruit. But not only that, uh, there were people in our church who kind of rededicated their lives or really understood that they needed to surrender and were on fire, too. You know, and so, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm ready for this whole thing to get to get done, and and uh, I'm I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about you know the people here at Fellowship because I really think they get it. Oh yeah, I think they understand this whole thing we're talking about. Yeah, and uh, and and it's and it's almost new, mm-hmm. but it is exciting to where people they even message us right. Yeah, and it's like, hey man, I'm excited. You know, I, I we didn't get this before. Let's you know let's keep this going. And so it, it excites me to see that when you're genuinely, you know, reading scripture and preaching scripture and challenging people, it's not that they're going to leave. It's that they're going to, it's that they're going to grit up and do it. Yep. You know, and I, I'm excited for that. Yeah, me too. I'm, I, I really, I really uh, see this, this spark of, of, you know, God's spirit moving in our people and, mm-hmm. and helping people understand that what church really is. And like we talked about last week, this, this whole coronavirus thing is, is forcing change within church culture and helping people realize that church is not about a service or building, but it's about going out. Absolutely. Excited about that. Well, um, this was a heavy gospel uh, like focused podcast. So I feel like maybe we should say like, if you are hearing this podcast and you realize you never had a moment of surrender and you want to maybe talk to someone about that or, Maybe in this, you know, while you're hearing this, you're you in your heart surrendering to Christ, and you want to talk to someone about that. Um, shoot us an email. Yeah, you, know, you can shoot it, shoot the church an email info at fellowshiptx.org, or give us a call here at the church at four zero nine seven two two four three five six. We would just love the opportunity to talk to someone about that. Yeah. This is what we're here for. This is what we surrendered our lives to is be able to have those kinds of conversations. And so, absolutely, if you're hearing that and want to know what that, you know want to know more about what it looks like to surrender your life to Christ, then we would love an opportunity to talk to you. So uh, remember, Friday night, 6 p.m., we have our night of worship, and I'm excited about that. Yes, yeah, I mean, it's going to be awesome. After that first weekend parking lot or drive-in church, I keep calling it parking lot church, but drive-in same church, difference. yeah, same thing. <laughs> You know, we we had people texting us like, "Can we still just can we just sing some more? Can we just hang out and yeah. sing, yeah." <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I'm excited to be able to worship with people and uh, have a night where we focus on the cross and and uh, lift up, you know, the name of Christ in our parking lot and really throughout our community because yeah. it kind of bl- it blares out through the, the neighborhood, you know. <laughs> right, let's do it. So I'm excited about that, and I'm excited about Easter this Sunday to be able to celebrate the the resurrection and Amen. talk about the tomb and the result of the tomb. I'm going to be um, talking about the fact that 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 the empty tomb, it changes everything. Oh yeah. I mean, it changed everything. Paradigm shift. Yeah. Yeah. For, for, for the world. Mm. And so uh, it's going to be exciting sermon. So make sure that you're here Sunday at 1030 for that and uh, get her early so you can get a good parking spot. Otherwise you may be pushed to the back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, you guys have a great week. Thanks for listening and uh, check back with us next week. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening today. And we always welcome you to join us at Fellowship Baptist Church in Nederland, Texas, where we gather, grow, give, and go.